Thank you for downloading the Engineering Commons podcast. In this episode, we talk with mechanical engineer Jim Heilman about the questions engineers should be asking before they agree to relocate for career advancement. The Engineering Commons podcast explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of their field or industry. Join mechanical engineer Jeff, civil engineer Adam, and electrical engineers Brian and Carmen as they discuss issues of interest to today's engineering professional. This is episode 98, Relocation, December 24th, 2015. So Adam, have you ever had to move for a job? Uh, actually, I did. Um, I ended up moving back home for my current job. Really? Yep. So how did that work out so nicely that you got to move back home? I have absolutely zero idea. Luck of the draw, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was looking for anything I could find, and they offered me a job back home. Right. Oh, okay. Well. That I'll, works out pretty well. I'll move across the state and go back home. Right. Right. Although, although we were talking just before we uh, started this episode uh, that you had to leave something behind in your old house. Oh, I had to leave several things behind, but one of which was a, an amazing internet service provider. I miss my <laughs> co-op. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what kind of download speeds were you getting there? You know, I, I don't remember exactly offhand, but they were really, really good. Oh, better uh, than you're getting now. Uh, much better than now that I am in the uh, major cable cooperative <laughs> um, well, I'm not going to say who or too much bad about them because I do like actually having internet, but <laughs> right. <laughs> no, go ahead. Feel free to defame some public company. <laughs> <laughs> but if we can't get a hold of you for future podcasts, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the cartels got to me. <laughs> right. Terrier <you're> lost. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, always nice if you, when you're we're looking for a job, if, if we find something near home or where we're currently located or, or near a, a friend or family, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, sometimes as engineers, we have to pick up, uh, pack up our bags and move if we want to take a new job. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about relocation and uh, when you might have to relocate and what you should be thinking about when you do so. And to help guide us through this discussion, uh, we've invited back Jim Heilman, who is joining us for his fourth time on the Engineering Commons. Jim, welcome. Thank you very much for this opportunity. <laughs> well, we we appreciate your, your willingness to come back for uh, more of a beating. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope you don't lash me to the uh, mast and hit me with wet noodles again like the last time. But uh, okay, I'll, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you've always done great. You were with us in episode five, which uh, when you talked about recruiting, and uh, in episode 22, when we talked about empathy, and episode 81, when we talked about plastics. And so for our listeners who may not have listened to those earlier episodes, can you give us just a uh, kind of a, a nickel description of what it is that you do? Well, I'm a recruiter. Uh, exclusively for the plastics industry. That's what we specialize in. Our company course is Discovery Personnel Incorporated, and we're part of the top echelon network of recruiters. And my perspective today will be kind of a combination of 
uh, a view from a recruiter's perspective, but also I, as a mechanical engineer uh, and mechanical and a manager, probably changed jobs, I think, somewhere close to eight times in my career. Wow. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've, run into re, I've run into relocation many different times. Right. So you've, you've had to move once or twice. Yes. <laughs> I never, I never moved back home though. My parents would not have allowed that. <laughs> but anyway, you also need your buffer zone too, as Seinfeld said. Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think right. he recommended about twelve hundred miles. <laughs> it someday seems about right. Well, when I graduated from college, I went home and found out my parents had moved and hadn't told, given me a forwarding address. So <laughs> hey, uh, nice. I, I, that kind of helped for quite a while, but I eventually found them. <laughs> <laughs> they left Indiana and were hiding in Missouri. So, but you tracked them down. But I tracked them down. <laughs> That's a pretty extreme uh, length to go. <laughs> It is, but they really wanted to get away from me. <laughs> right. So uh, relocation is, uh, you know, picking up and, and moving to some other place. And uh, usually it's for a job, uh, but sometimes there's some other strategies involved there. Maybe you're trying to, you know, get to a different part of the country or a different part of the world for some other reason. So, Jim, what do you think? Why would Why would someone be willing to relocate? Well, uh, job is still probably number one, but I notice mm -hmm. it uh, shrinking, so to speak. People want to get uh, uh, children, especially, obviously, want to get close to their family. Parents are getting older. They mm -hmm. want to be somewhere where they can help them. Uh, if, right. if nothing else, go, visiting, go visit them in the retirement home or wherever they're at. Or just mm -hmm. help them uh, survive in their uh, their own home, but they, but that's definitely become more important, and it also uh, keeps quite a few people from relocating, even for a better job uh, mm -hmm. these days. Um, people are getting older. Uh, sure. The baby boomers are we're, we're aging. We want to get somewhere where it's warmer. Or a lot sure. of us do. I'm living in Minnesota, so obviously that's, <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little different. But uh, you, you've headed in the wrong direction. Yes, <laughs> but it seems like every every other candidate that I talk to wants to move to North Carolina. Uh, they see that as the uh, promised land for some reason. No, or, stay away. It's it's a boring state. Don't, <laughs> climb and climb, don't climb and clog my roads. Okay. Or they want to go to Arizona because a lot of people, uh, a lot of individuals say, okay, I've got 10 years before I'm going to retire. I want to move somewhere where I can just re retire and not have to relocate again or pay for my relocation. So I'll get get sure. my last company to pay for my relocation, and I'll I'll get to a warmer state where uh, retirement would be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Arizona is so much better than North Carolina. It's a dry <laughs> heat. You don't want the humidity we got. It's just plain awful. <laughs> okay. Well, those are those are usually the main reasons, and yeah. That the people are uh, people relocate these days. Yeah, and, and so do people come to you, actually come to you and say, "Hey, Jim, I I want to relocate, not for the job. I'm happy with my job, but I really want to get back to family." Are they willing to give up their current job in order to you know go to a warmer location or to get closer to family? 
Yeah, I would say probably 50% of the time now. Wow, okay. Sur- surprisingly, uh, probably 25% of that 50% is to, I want to move to North Carolina or South Carolina or Florida or Arizona or something. They uh, w- want to move to, to a better uh, what they see is better weather. They want to get away from uh, Buffalo, New York, or Cleveland, Ohio, or those places where uh, you know they get twenty feet of snow every winter. Right, or or they want to come your direction. Uh, actually, which isn't bad. Surprisingly, we and it's kind of a well kept secret, but we don't get a lot of snow in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. I think fifty six inches is our average, and we probably haven't gotten that for a couple of years. So, because the jet stream pushes the snow away from you guys? Yeah, because the jet stream's pushed everything Over the down. Buffalo, yeah, yeah, for the jet stream. <laughs> and now we're rooting for El Nino. Yeah, let's be careful about jinxing this whole thing. Okay, all right. I just bought a new snowblower. I'm expecting big things this year. Oh no! Oh, well, you got a new snowblower. It means we're going to get nothing. Yeah, it's true. It's like washing your car. Yep. Yep. So, so if these are the reasons that people are are wanting to locate or or maybe willing to locate you must run across the, the case where you were able to offer someone a an enticing job good salary good benefits good opportunity and they go nope i'm not going to move yes uh unfortunately quite often uh a lot of times they just uh, uh they get cold feet the wife doesn't wife decides she's happy with her church and her life and uh, very often she's the deciding factor in that. Uh, she's got her own life and doesn't want it, want the upheaval. And mm-hmm. that's somewhat understandable. Relocation does, uh, put a lot of pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, well, the, the commute, uh, I, people that aren't already living in Chicago, it's almost impossible to get them to move there mm-hmm. because when they hear Chicago, they think, uh, the Kennedy Freeway, right. uh, which is well, not without its uh, challenges, to say the least. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people just don't want to. They don't want a long drive. They don't want to be in heavy traffic. And so, if they've got a got an easy drive, and probably another factor that uh, has entered into relocation it's uh, a lot of companies don't offer the uh, health care benefits they used to people have to pay a hundred or two hundred dollars a month for their family's health care whereas used to it was always free and just came with the package and that's mm-hmm. become a big factor i just had that happen recently a guy the individual looked at the uh, position and said hey it's going to cost me 200 a month and even with the additional money the companies offer me, it'll be about a break even, and I have to drive uh, 20 miles more. So I don't want to take the job. I don't blame them. <laughs> so, no, no. And people are looking at everything, and understandably so. It's got to be attractive. And at the same time, of course, companies uh, are under unrelenting pressure to keep their costs down. So due to all the competition. So. Hmm. And so how has this changed over time? How, did, how does this compare to people's willingness or unwillingness to move compared to 20 years ago? Well, I'd say 20, 30 years ago, people just uh, thought that was something you had to do. Uh, hmm. They didn't see it as a choice. And, and again, we were all younger. 
Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> it didn't seem like such a big deal, but as you get older, relocation obviously becomes uh, more and more difficult. See, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say it just seems to be something people accept too, but maybe that's because I'm from a younger generation. Probably so. Uh, yeah, I, I remember graduating school, and you know, people were getting jobs all over the country, and no one, you know, some people did try to move, look for jobs close to home, but everyone was just kind of like, "Well, this is what I'd prefer," but you know, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, but but after you get three or four or five years of uh, experience, you can be a little more picky. That's true. And and ten years, you can be a lot more picky, and that's where the problem or not problem but that's where the re- resistance to moving or at least uh, resistance to moving uh not by choice i remember my day which was goes back a little way since i'm 68 years old but of course the uh one of the humorous things was always if you went to work with ibm it stood for i've been moved <laughs> and it was and it was considered a way of life for most companies if you didn't uh, accept a relocation, you were finished in the company. And uh, now, companies, uh, you don't see that as much as you used to because there's too much resistance to just being told you're going to move tomorrow to uh, Shanghai or something. I don't know. Um, I've had several people call me recently and say, hey, or not recently, over the last few years and say, hey, the company wants me to go to China for four years, and I'm not going, so find me a job. <laughs> uh, I, I get that also. Mm-hmm. Whereas one time, there was a lot more acceptance of that. By acceptance, you mean a greater willingness to go overseas or to, to change countries? Or just, yeah, not even country or state or whatever, the company. They they just accept it as a fact of life, something they had to do. But mm-hmm. people are saying, no, I don't have to do that anymore. They've got the government here to support me for a while and yada, yada, yada. And I don't have to move off. I can find something, and I'm not going to do it. So mm-hmm. seeing, I see a lot more resistance. And there's quite a few people that I, I get calls and they say, hey, the company wants me to move. I'm living in Houston. I'm not going to leave Houston. Find me a job here in Houston. Right. I go, okay, we'll try to find you a job in Houston. Although uh, I have to explain to people that I'm actually, as since they're candidates, I'm not really working for them. I'm working for companies because they're the one paying my salary, so they're right. who I pay attention to. And and the likelihood of me placing someone in that uh, situation is probably only about 10% mm. of, of the people that want want to stay in one location and not relocate. Right. Chicago would be a little different. Houston's a little different, but smaller cities, it, it gets very difficult to do. And you're a little limited just because you are concentrating in the plastics industry, which is fairly localized, is it not? Well, there, yeah, localized might. Uh, there, there are pockets, heavy pockets in the plastics industry. In fact, South Carolina has got a very heavy pocket around the Greenville, Spartanburg area. Surprisingly, Chicago is a pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are a lot of pockets. Uh, it northeast has quite quite a bit of uh, molding, and actually, uh, Minneapolis St. Paul has a lot of molding because of the medical industry. So it's a it's it's very uh, yeah it's, it's very mixed. 
Right. You happen it, to be in the area you want want to be in, uh, and it has heavy injection molding or blow molding or whatever molding it is. You, then there's a good chance you can find a find the person in position. But one thing uh, very difficult about the plastics industry. You just can't move from injection molding to blow molding or thermoforming or one of the others. Everybody sees their molding operation as being special. <laughs> so sometimes it just no, no matter how how many jobs there are in the area in plastics, generally there may not be a job in injection molding or there may not be a job in thermoforming right. that they that they want or looking for. Right. Well, so if uh, if people uh, are not willing to move, generally, then uh, obviously companies have to do something to try to entice movement to occur. I mean, there, you must end up with a case where people are on the fence, where they're, eh, I don't really want to, but I might be willing to. Do you end up with fence sitters like that? Oh, yeah, uh, very often. I've, I've had companies offer a person, uh, usually a management, for instance, we'll just use that, Maybe their uh, the initial offer to the individual is a hundred thousand dollars, and the person goes, "Hey, no way!" And the company goes back and talks to me, and I, I've I've seen people go from a hundred thousand to get an offer at a hundred and fifty thousand. So, wow! <laughs> so buying buying individuals is still done even in this day and age. <laughs> Uh, and it works very well, or it can work. Uh, but a lot of companies are loath to do that because they don't want to feel like they bought the individual. They want them to come there because they love them. Uh, which, yeah, and and for some, and sometimes that works. The, the the individual just falls in love with the company. They they like. They sit down. They talk with management. They see themselves there and see themselves growing. Management does a good job of selling themselves, and uh, and that th- that gets people off the fence and mm-hmm. in there. But very often, uh, a bigger problem is while all this is happening, the uh, significant other sitting there in the house thinking, "Hey, there ain't no way in hell I'm going," <laughs> and uh, and I don't know how many times we've got to the eleventh hour. And had the significant other, or and here's here's something a lot of people don't realize, and I've had this conversation with people, if especially they got teenagers, mm-hmm. how do your teenagers feel about this? Right, and uh, they say, "Oh, my kids will do what I tell them to." I said, "You might want to talk to them a little bit about this before you before you uh, make that decision, because." Uh, teenagers can dig their heels in and fight unbelievably hard if <laughs> when they're in like their junior in high school and they're up, they're the star on the basketball team or yeah. whatever and uh and they just plain don't want to they won't relocate and huh. that's that's got to be uh, uh that becomes a huge factor a lot bigger than a lot of people think yeah, well, so maybe that was my problem. My my family moved right before my junior year in high school, but I was not definitely not the star of the basketball team. So maybe that was my shortcoming. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had I had a little leverage in the, in the negotiation. Well, that happens too. A lot of it depends on the family, but uh, but I know I I'm quite sure, especially my daughter uh, that's now just in her first year of college. But I I can 
almost bet money if her junior year, if I'd have tried to move, that would have been a utter disaster. <laughs> uh, she'd have she'd have found new and innovative ways to make my life a living hell. Not that she didn't sometimes anyway, but uh, right. but we'll go. We we won't go there. Right. Well, so you mentioned uh, managers, and and you know when you're up in the uh, the six figure range, then then cash can flow freely. Uh, for those of our listeners who are a little earlier in our in, in their engineering careers, and maybe they're not maybe they're not quite yet at that six figure range or maybe not even close to it, uh, what kind of inducements can the uh, employer offer? Well, yeah, that one becomes more difficult. Usually the thing they can offer is uh, upward mobility, chance to, you know, move ahead, learn, uh, those type of opportunities more than they're willing to offer when it comes to relocation, they may give, say, a flat, we'll give you $5,000 to relocate, uh, or we'll give you $10,000, uh, something like that. And they won't, uh, you know, they won't set you up with May, Mayflower. They won't uh, give you a, a $5,000 allocation for new curtains in your house when you buy it, and, and those type of things. One thing no one gets anymore is uh, uh, no company buys houses anymore. In fact, companies used to have whole arms that were actually real estate companies that mm-hmm. did nothing. IBM was one of them, obviously, and General Electric and some other ones that did nothing but buy candidates' homes mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to worry about it. And they paid a premium price. They, they're not a premium, but they paid the going price you know they mm-hmm. went out and uh, did a price check on houses in the area and all that and gave them a, what, what was really a very reasonable price for their homes so they didn't have to worry about it those days are gone and i and actually had we, that as part of an offer uh when i was really? in school yeah well i'm I mean, shocked it, it wasn't like they would buy me a house i mean i was you know a new college grad but it was um Texas Instruments, and I'll probably get some of the details wrong, but there was like a service you could use where they would, yeah, they would shop around for apartments for you or, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't think it was TI itself. I think they maybe contracted that out. Yes, yeah. That's kind of common. And we actually, as a recruiting firm, we're hooked up with uh, real estate agents and uh, rental, property rental places that that will help us uh, work with the recruiter. Um, with the candidate, uh, when the uh, companies are not, you know, familiar with the market or or don't want to go through all that, a lot of times we offer that as a service and do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the days usually of uh, buying someone's home and then paying for their uh, realty cost, buying the new home, and those those type of things. So that's I, I've had companies actually pay for my down payment on my home and things like that in the past but i think those days are pretty well gone what changed i just got too uh, expensive is it the appreciation of or inflation of home prices or is it just what companies are willing to pay for people i think company well it's just that at one time i know uh um the person that actually that owns 
uh, Discovery personnel. She used to work for General, uh, General Electric and worked for their plastics division, and, and they refer to it as Generous Electric. Many go out and eat for <laughs> their their bills for eating would be astronomical, and no one seemed to care and all that. Uh, those days are gone. Uh, the profit margins have just shrunk so much, and especially in the plastics industry, it's just so freaking competitive that uh, there's just not a lot of uh, not a fat on not a lot of fat on the bone. I know I got irritated the other day because. Uh, the uh, president of Chrysler was complaining that uh, his uh, uh, the tier one suppliers, plastic suppliers, were making too much money. Uh, after years of making almost no money, he was upset they were making any money at all. So, and, and that's kind of kind of the way it's been. They're, they just they just uh, cut cut down that cut into profit margins in the plastics industry just steadily or try their best. And the Japanese are known for not paying a lot of money to people in the plastics industry. It's uh, they're, they're tough. Uh, and, and as we know, the Japanese are very heavily involved in the automotive market here, which is a huge purchaser of plastic services and growing all the time. Medical's growing all the time. And uh, and medical has always uh, been very tight with the dollar, uh, working with their suppliers. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, I I came out of the medical industry. I've got 25 years of engineering and engineering management, primarily in medical and medical plastics. And I, I don't work it in the medical with the medical industry because uh, they work too hard at keeping my margins. At such a low rate, I, I just won't work with them, put it that way. That's where I was started. I thought, oh, well, I'll just move right in and do stuff with the medical industry because I know that. And, but then I said, okay, this is silly, and I knew plastics, so uh, I found it much better to, to work with plastics companies. And I don't know if we even covered this in the last episode. Um, what would be considered medical plastics? Uh Oh, anything. Uh, the tubes. Is it the packaging or? The, well, it can be the packaging. It can be the tubes they shove down you when they do an open heart surgery. Uh, there are all kinds of, well, there's pumps that now that they, okay. they pump like insure into your stomach uh, to keep you going instead of just IVs. IVs are a huge market. Okay. Those so bags. Can, and it's just the only reason I asked because Minnesota is a huge medical device. State, yeah. and I was wondering what in the medical device arena would be uh, even, plastic. Well, even uh, stents are coated with those special plastics. Plastic now that uh, hmm. releases uh, medicine over time, so to so that your body doesn't fight the uh, implant. Interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I lost my own train of thought there. No, no, I, no that's I, all right. I, I, I derailed you, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. It's just my <laughs> my concentration slipping in my old age. Uh, I, I had a question for you. Sure. Um, how, how did the uh, you know the recession back in 2008 you know affect recruitment and relocating? Did were people more willing to move because hey, I need a job, or you know, did people kind of dig their heels in and 
in, in spite of layoffs, you know, resist moving and saying, you know, they're not going to oh, they, re- they really dug their heels in. Really? Oh, oh it, was, it was horrible. Uh, probably I had the most more problem uh, getting candidates to move and relocate then and make money uh, because of that than I did finding companies that were willing to hire. Not that the companies that were willing to hire wanted to pay a lot or help out a lot to get people to move, but uh, so many people were underwater and especially Michigan. Uh, oh, they just, yeah, I guess they had a home. They, couldn't leave their, they, they just couldn't leave their homes. At least <laughs> they had a home until they uh, you know, lost it uh, to, to the bank. But uh, so they had to hang on. They were hanging on for dear life. And, uh, and some still are to some extent. They're still a little bit jaded by that. But uh, it seems like that's, that's not as big a problem as it was five six years ago but 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 up maybe until three or four years ago it it was a still a real problem uh for for people to to up and move because they just they had no equity in their home yeah that would be a huge factor yeah and now more now i think more people are renting and the home thing is not quite as important uh, in that respect, I think I saw where home sales were up 6% this year, 6.7, which sounds like a lot, or not home sales, but home building uh, was up uh, 6.7%. But at the height of like 2008, uh, it was up, it was going up at 15 or 20% a year. So big difference. Well, there was also a degree of overbuilding in that time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, a lot of speculation, to say the least. Yeah, so so it, the part of it is just catching up. Yeah. Um, although, I'll say from experience, housing market's not real buyer-friendly right now. Not hugely, no. But, well, a lot better than it was in 2008 and nine. Yeah. And 10, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but there still are people that will will hold on because of that. But then there are people that get and go, okay, I can rent my home. Renting seems renting your home and moving seems to be have come more uh, acceptable, partially because there's companies now that uh, you can go to and say, hey, I want to rent my home, and they they actually these companies. Uh, will actually just take over, literally take over the home. They'll collect the money. If something goes wrong, the toilet's busted, they'll they'll send the plumber in. They basically take care of everything for, for you and then just send you a check. So so those those type of companies are getting very popular right now. Yeah, I've seen a few of those around uh, Raleigh here. Yeah, it's big up here in Minneapolis area, very big right now. In fact, there's people buying up homes just so they can give them to these rental companies and let them take care of it. Hmm. Even expensive homes. I, I live in a fairly expensive area of of the South Metro area, and uh, I've seen houses that probably would sell for somewhere around three quarters of a million dollars rented. Now, you didn't used to see that at all. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know who's paying that kind of money. I'll move out. But anyway. <laughs> right. So, so if companies are willing on occasions to uh, to pay money or to offer benefits in order to 
induce someone to move. What is the what's the uh, contractual obligation? Certainly, they want something for their money, and they're going to be upset if you uh, if you move and then leave the job three months later. Yeah, that's one thing that's really changed. Uh, I remember when I started uh, working and started changing jobs when I got out of school. And like I said, I changed over twenty five years. I worked for probably eight different companies. Um, so I was doing it probably on the average of three years. Mm-hmm. But initially, uh, they tried companies would require you to pay back the recruiter fees or try to. Mm-hmm. Then uh, that went to court and ended up getting overturned, and that's rarely attempted uh, anymore. But what companies have replaced that with, especially companies that uh, are paying, you know, uh, paying out a lot of money for your move. Say you are a six-person figure, May, uh, Mayflower comes in, packs all your boxes, loads everything up, guarantees it, uh, stores it for a while while you're looking for a home. The company puts you up for two to three months. Mm-hmm. It can get pretty pricey, as you can imagine, sure. probably in a forty, fifty thousand dollars range very often. And a lot of companies now are requiring a year that uh, if you don't stay for the whole year, you're you're prorated. Uh, You have to pay a certain amount or two years. A lot of companies have gone to two years. And that's been uh, surprising me. And I can tell you from experience because I had to pay out $13,000 because – I didn't have my two years up with this one company, hmm. but I but I decided to take my best shot and, <laughs> and take it to court, and I lost. So I paid thirteen thousand dollars plus a little bit extra right. to the lawyers. Um, right. So it's it's been upheld. It's pretty much across the board throughout the United States now. Right. So it's something well, to consider, well, and you need to read the fine print in whatever letter or documentation they send you. My documentation was about a 20-page book with a little one-line paragraph at the very end of the book telling me I would have to repay if I left the company, and I didn't read that far. Uh, but uh, ignorance is uh, no excuse <laughs> for the law, I guess. Right. And Oh, well, Okay. That was a personal thing, but it's but it's very true. It's something that has to be watched and watched closely. Um, You may be required to do. And so, when you were telling that story, I was wondering whether you have any sense. I I doubt you have hard data, but I'm curious if you have any sense of whether people that make these types of moves to new positions are more likely to stick in those positions rather than people who aren't making a big relocation. Whether that having gone through that process of making a big commitment makes you more likely to stick with the company or less likely to stick with the company? Well, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I think uh, it depends on how serious you take it. I know when uh, my situation happened, there were several other people that did the same thing with the company, thought they could blow mm-hmm. it off, and the company rounded us all up and took us to court, um, so to speak. So it was right. it got pretty messy. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't know if it holds, holds people back one way or the other that much. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think they, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think it's taken as being that serious, as serious as it really can be. Well, we, we, we get so used to clicking the, uh, the legal ease on the, uh, you know, we download software or something and there's, you know, these 40 pages of, of footnotes 
that we all go, yeah, I agree. Right. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to worry about it. And if you, if you do the same thing with these types of, of uh, contractual obligations, you may find yourself in hot water. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. and there, there, once in a while, there are other things they tack on to, but that's the main one that comes up the most <laughs> often. And I'd say, judging from people I've talked to in companies, probably, that probably only comes out about 25% of the time. But, but it's enough. That's a healthy percentage. Yeah. And and that's why most companies, they start out, they and I think they start out low on, you know, they'll say, okay, well, we'll pay you 2000 to relocate. Person comes back and goes, hey, you know, I like your offer, but I can't relocate for $2,000. They say, okay, how about five? Okay, I can do it for five. I can rent a truck. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I might even make a little money. Right. Uh, so... And, and those kind of negotiations happen constantly now, whereas a one-time company's kind of had a standard relocation package for each level, but now they seem to be a lot, lot more open to negotiation. Okay, so on relocation. So, so your advice to any of our listeners who find themselves in this situation would be to uh, be willing to ne- negotiate. Yes. Yeah, and that's one area they'll negotiate with quicker than salary because, you know, every dollar they pay is a dollar more they have to pay every year right? or a dollar an hour more, however it is. But but uh, relocation is considered a one-time thing, and so it's it's over with, and it doesn't become part of the whole uh, recruiting package, so to speak, other right. than that. And usually that's paid out of human resources. And not out of the hiring department's budget. So, <laughs> so people don't have, you know, they don't worry as much about HR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to play the game with where the money's coming from. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's say that um, we're, we're an engineer. We're thinking about relocating. The company's come back and said, hey, we're willing to offer you so many dollars in order to uh, relocate. And uh, we're discussing it with the family. And the family's going, well, I don't know. Sounds good. Maybe yes, maybe no. So, so it's time to do some homework, uh, you know, about the situation. If, if you're the engineer or the candidate, what are the important issues that you need to consider when thinking about relocating? Well, it's the no, number one issue, of course, is housing. That's that's your biggest expense. Mm-hmm. Um, what's if you're going to buy a house? What's you know what's the average uh, price of a home or the price of homes in your uh, that you're willing to pay? You know what's your budget? Right. I mean, I I watch once in a while. I just get a kick out of watching uh, these home improvement shows and buying homes, and I I, I never cease to be amazed at as what a six hundred thousand dollar home gets you in Connecticut versus what it gets you in Muncie, Indiana. Uh, wow Uh, so that's that's the number one thing you have to look at and what's a good idea i i would pressure your recruiter or the company or something to set you up with uh, some sort of real estate agent in the area somebody Mm -hmm. that knows the market and you can explain what you're looking for and they can pretty much sit there and tell you what's going to cost you uh, what 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 the house that you're looking for is going to cost mm-hmm. in in the area that you you want to live in. So, 
I think that's a really important thing to do. Uh, normal things like, you know, uh, yeah, it's a little more expensive to pay for your gas for your car in California, probably a couple more bucks a gallon than it is Minnesota. So there's, you know, a price differential you might want to look at on Google. You can look at, you know, for for a feel what uh, what the price of milk is. But for the most part, things like that are pretty even across the country. They're not that uh, they don't they're not that far out of whack. Mm-hmm. Once in a while you run into some strange things. Uh I know when I just before I bailed out of Milwaukee, uh they company the uh city decided or somebody decided, I don't know who did it, to run uh they had to run new uh drain lines to uh Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. And you would think that people that were tapped into that they would charge them according to how much water their water usage but uh milwaukee decided that uh people that own more expensive homes should pay an increase or a a larger price than poor people who uh, couldn't afford to pay for the uh, sewer lines they were using Mm-hmm. And 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 the courts upheld that. Of course, it went to court and they upheld it. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that was actually fairly expensive. It like jacked up people's uh, the equivalent of taxes, five or six thousand dollars a year in half million dollar homes. So it wasn't a cheap thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 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 near. You run into funny things in different areas, and and those are hard to. To, to find out about up front unless you say take uh take a week's vacation and and and, and kind of walk around town and talk to as many people as you can to find out get all the details i know one place i left rich or moved to and then left uh richmond indiana uh, i don't know that i would have gone there had i known the quality of medical care was so poor in richmond indiana you basically had to go to indianapolis to get uh, top flight uh, medical care mm-hmm. so those those are other things you you might not know uh that, that become important to you right so things that are important to you you've really need to dig and and find out about it's it's in your own best interest it's real easy to say okay i've got this great offer so i'm going to take it and uh damn the torpedoes full speed ahead but sometimes those torpedoes can come back to sink you so (laughs) you you probably want to do some legwork yeah and so i've had some friends who have taken jobs where they've moved and, and say moved into an apartment and tried to live in the location for six months before they made a, a housing decision where they were actually going to buy a home so that they had a time where they, you know, some period of time where they could figure these things out. Is that a good idea or, or are you sort of, you know, spending a lot of money for this, this freedom to change your mind later? Well, if you can get the company to pay for it, it's not bad. Uh, I did something simpler when I moved to Milwaukee. I uh, probably, I think I got the company to pay for a hotel room for me for four months. Wow. I left, left my wife in Indianapolis while our home was selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that worked out pretty well for me, but that, that doesn't happen too often. And so, yeah, I, I, that's a tough one. 
usually I think you you'd probably want to cut down on that. Although rentals are becoming again more popular and more common, so uh, if you can find a good rental, I know the first place I tried to rent in uh, Richmond, or I looked at renting. Uh, I drove up and there was a '63 Chevy sitting in the uh, right next to the apartments, and and the mm-hmm. individual had uh, about an eight two eight foot tall uh, uh, boxes sitting there and just blasting music like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, if I had to work at night, I wouldn't be getting any sleep this day. Right. So. Uh, so those are things too you've got to consider who are your next door neighbors and that type of thing right uh but if you're if you're happy with the rental man, i don't think it's probably any big deal but a lot of places do rent to own also so that's gotten more common too right and so you mentioned earlier working with a realtor i mean the realtor is getting paid not again not by the candidate but is getting paid by whoever's selling the home that's correct so, will the realtor? I mean, if you go and talk with the realtor, will they be giving you honest advice about you know, these issues about uh, local home appreciation and and repo rates and and how many mortgages are underwater and and you know unknown sewer bills? Uh, I think up to a point to get pretty honest. They're pretty honest about those things. Uh, although I I know I had one when I was looking for a home in uh, Richmond, Indiana again. He didn't show me, you know, he, he showed me, everything he showed me was on the top end of my budget. I couldn't get him to show me anything cheaper. And I finally found a house on my own through another realtor in his office that uh, fit my needs a lot better. Right. And uh, he wasn't very happy about that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's a whole other issue. But uh, you, you, again, it, it becomes... Uh, you know, it's getting to know people and uh, how well they like you and what you can get them to do for you. Yeah. So are, are there any other things, if, so, if you're thinking about relocating to a new community, are there any other issues, you know, beyond housing costs that you should be thinking about before you uh, you sign on the dotted line? Well, there, I mean, there are communities that are almost totally underwater on their own right. I, I probably wouldn't advise buying a house in uh, Nevada. Uh, Las Vegas, that there's a market there that's still way oversold mm-hmm. or, uh, or overbuilt, I should say, not oversold, although right. it's getting better. Uh, some areas in Colorado are like that where people were fleeing from uh, California at one point and buying all kinds of property out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's still got to be a little buyer beware type thing on your uh, – on the properties and where you're living or where you think you want to live. So that, that's something else important. But I'd say the most important, one of the most important things, it just can't be overstated, is work with your significant other and your children uh, if, you've, they've got, if you've got children because it just uh, it gets too miserable if you're if you're if you move somewhere and your your spouse is unhappy, I moved to Broken Bow, Nebraska, one point in time, and it was a great company, and I, I really like I loved the job, mm-hmm. loved it. Uh, I was there a year total, 
but uh, my uh, my wife could not stand the place. Uh, she couldn't. Uh, it was very difficult for her to make friends because everybody there knew each other, had grown up together. They were all related. It seemed like uh, it's very hard to make friends and really, you know, do a lot socially. Mm-hmm. Uh, she liked to shop. After after a day or two of shopping, you'd probably seen everything there was to buy in Broken Bow, Nebraska. There wasn't a Walmart within a hundred miles. Had to drive eighty miles to Grand Island for just a uh, mall. Period, and it wasn't that great a mall, but at least it was a mall. You could go spend right. half your day or part of your day. A lot of people uh, bought their groceries. Went, they made a day of it, bought all their groceries there, and drove them all back to Broken Bow from Grand Island mm-hmm. to show you. So, and uh, she really, really hated it. I mean, I'd go to work and she was bawling, and I'd come home and she was still bawling. Didn't oh make for didn't make for a real, real good uh, life. Now, for me, it was fine. I worked all day. <laughs> the guys at work, we went. They wanted to go out hunting coyotes at night. We, you know, made. $75 for the pelt and $75 for shooting a coyote. Hey, I was making money. I, you know, wasn't all bad, uh, but, uh, but was it, wasn't real healthy for the family? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a good family thing. And my, and strangely enough, despite all the places we moved, my son actually got bust. They decided at the school that he was supposed to go to was too busy. So they had to bus him to the other side of town. On top of everything else. Right. Uh, so it was just, I don't know, it was probably as weird a situation as there was. could be. Very hard to, to get a rental home and that type of thing. Find one. I found one. And a renting from good people. But it, the house, whereas it wasn't a dump, but it still wasn't a, what you call the most modern home in the world either. Right. So... Uh, the heating and stuff was kind of behind the times, so it, it just it, it just wasn't wasn't a good situation. So after a year, we we pulled out, and it was strictly because my wife just couldn't stand it. Right, and I've had and I've had more rejections of jobs because we've gotten to the eleventh hour, and the person. Uh, you call up and literally, I've called people up on the day they're supposed to start and say, "Why aren't you at work?" And and uh, they, they'll say, "Okay, my wife or my kids wouldn't move," uh, or they actually. I had one guy that worked for he he was a general manager of a company. He took a job as general manager. He lived in uh, Canada, but the, he and his wife had horses. And he said he really wanted to take this job that I'd found him in Tennessee because he could get a horse ranch. It was costing him a fortune in Canada to rent land or rent a place for his horses. He and his wife really wanted to come to Tennessee. She was a lawyer. She could, I didn't know how a Canadian lawyer could practice in America, but he swore she could. He came. Uh, and by, uh, I think it was like the first of November, uh, by Christmas day, he was gone and he didn't even call the owner of the company to tell him he wasn't going to be there anymore. He just took off and went back to Canada. So those things, uh, yeah, again, uh, 
relocation's just a huge decision and a lot of uh, a lot goes in a lot had better go into whoever's making the decision right. and i'd rather have them i'd rather have them be upfront and honest from the start going yay no way in hell i'm ever moving to uh albuquerque new mexico forget it or wichita kansas ain't gonna happen okay yeah as long as let, let's you know as long as you're honest i'm happy with that yeah, uh, I may not be happy with it, but I'm a lot happier. I know that I'd be if I told my company it uh, the day before the person's supposed to be there. That they're not going to be there. So, right, right, and so the obviously for the candidate or the you know in this case for our our audience the engineer thinking about moving, uh, they need to be you know what they're looking for is a a successful job that pays well, their family integrates well into the new community, they're happy. Uh, what's the employer looking for out of a relocation? Well, they want to, they want the employee to be happy because they know a happy employee is going to you know help the company that much more. Mm-hmm. And when a company hires somebody, why are they hiring them? Because they've got the company has a problem that they perceive this individual can fix, or at least improve or reduce the uh, negativity of. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, they they want that person to to be as happy as possible. That's that's important to them too. And uh, although I won't say there's not some slightly unethical companies sometimes that won't uh, you know be totally honest with the person and and suck them in so to speak. But mm-hmm. but for the most part, I, I would say most companies care, uh, especially the HR departments. They they want to believe they're actually doing something to help the individual and, and feel like they're doing something positive. I don't, for the most part, most people don't, uh, well, I think 10% of the population are sociopaths from what I see. <laughs> and, and they, they don't care, uh, at all. But, uh, but the, I think most of the other 90% care. They, they want to feel like they're, they're having a positive effect on their world to some extent. Yeah. Um, so every once in a while you hear about someone who has taken a job with the new company and rather than moving into the new community, wherever the, you know, the plant or the job is, uh, they're trying to sort of split their time and they'll be, you know, driving or flying home every weekend. Uh, how does the employer feel about that? And how often does that work? It, if the people are older, uh, Sometimes it doesn't work that badly. Uh, say they're in their 40s or 50s. They've lived together for 20 years. Uh, they're not in, the, not in heat, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, constantly, uh, as you would might be at a, you know, if you've been married two or three years. Uh, and living apart it isn't that big a deal. And a lot of times that can work fairly well. But companies really don't want to hear that on the interview. They don't want to they, – they want the person to come there and be part of the community in order to be part of the company. Uh, I mean, there's, there's functions that go on on weekends, or you might have, need to go in on a weekend and do some special project. Uh, and that type of thing, and and they don't want you know they don't want the person saying oh I can't 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 be here this weekend I've got to be uh, got to fly home uh, my kids uh, having a bar misfit 
so I, I, I can't do that. Uh, whereas maybe a bar misfit, uh, they could work around if the person was located there. Right. So they, they really want them to be part of the community and it, it, it and, and be closer to the company. Right. Be, be where they can kind of get their thumb on them when they need to. You mentioned earlier that uh, some people advise that you should be updating your resume as soon as you start the new job. <laughs> That's very true. I've, I've seen that by a lot of recommended by a lot of people. Yeah. So first first day you start a job, you should update your resume. Yep. So if uh, we've kind of determined that that three months is maybe a little moving a little too quickly, unless things are really going, you know, downhill quickly, and that. From a contractual obligation, you may have to hang out for a year or two in order to to you know meet your legal obligations. Uh, but as far as you know, most employers are concerned. How what's the what's the going rate now? How frequently can you relocate? And they're not going to be looking at you at looking at you suspiciously. Well, no, there's two things that happen, or two things to consider here. One is. I see a lot of candidates or I see a lot of resumes where the person worked for a company a year, two years, a year, two years. It gets to the point where it gets very hard for them to find jobs, Mm -hmm. no matter what their qualification or skill level is. And sometimes you can look at the resume and go back, say, five years or even six or ten years. You look and they actually work for one company for 10 or 12 years early on in their career and what's happened is they're still chasing that whatever they found at that company they liked they haven't been able to find it anywhere else Hmm. or maybe they just didn't stick around long enough to find it but if you change jobs uh people only really look companies only look at your last five or ten years probably ten years at most of your resume and if you've got job hops every year or two you're uh, you're a real risk mm-hmm. so they're they're not very interested in you now as far as leaving a company uh, I think I left my first company after a year and then stayed my second company three years but uh, I, I know it upsets companies it's like a divorce I mean how can you leave me? You know, right. uh, it, it, it very much taken to some extent like a divorce. The first company I left uh, that I worked at, I liked the company, but I could tell that cellophane was. I, I could see that plastics was going to take over, and cellophane was going to go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I thought I better get the hell out while I could, and that was my reason for changing jobs. Otherwise, I like the location and I like the company, uh, but but I thought career wise it probably wasn't a good place to stay and I, I think I was probably right but uh, uh, I remember my last day that I like two or three hours before I was to leave my boss's boss came in with a, uh, a folder put it on my desk and said well here's your here's your next assignment and it was really a job to do. I, I like. I was going to say, okay, I won't leave because I want to work on this. Uh-huh. I, I don't don't understand it. It was probably one of the oddest ones I've ever had. Uh, I've left a lot of companies where the company mantra or everybody said they'll fire you. So I try to leave a week earlier than I 
had to be so I could get a week off and get relocated and all that. Invariably, I never got fired. <laughs> uh, they never packed my boxes up and escorted me out the door. Right. I had to stay to the last day. But uh, so every company is different. A lot of companies have their own. Uh, but I, I, I do get quite a few resumes and phone calls from people that the company found out they were looking and they got canned. Right. And that's kind of, they kind of took it personal that the individual's looking at all. Mm -hmm. Some companies, I said, you know, I asked the individual, uh, you know, uh, what happens if the company finds out you're looking? And I said, oh, I told them four months ago that I'm, I'm going to look for, an, for another job and they understand. And, and I go, oh, wow, four months ago and you're still there. Okay. This is pretty impressive. Uh, see, I know it's just all over the place. Right. It, it just end up, it, it depends on whoever you're reporting to or whoever owns the company, if it's a smaller company and how, how they take things. So if, if employers don't take your desire to relocate, well, I, I take it then, uh, putting your resume up on something like monster is not a great idea. It's not a great idea, but yet at the same time, it's amazing how many people do it. <laughs> uh, I, I never cease to be amazed by that. I've, I've got. I, I I don't use Monster. I use other uh, another recruiter, a researcher, to do it for me, mm -hmm. just because I don't have the time. And she recruiters doesn't. Recruiters hiring recruiters. How deep does that go? Uh, actually, fairly <laughs> fairly deep. <laughs> Surprising. <laughs> uh, and she. Uh, and she'll get on it, and, uh, and then I'll talk to the candidate, and, and uh, I'll say, you know, well, okay, I'm part of this. I'm, I'm part of the top echelon network of recruiters, and we have a relational database, and uh, your company can't look you up on it and all that. Is, is it all right if I put you out on? Oh, no, no, no. Company finds out, they'll fire me. And I said, oh, really? And you're on Monster? Uh, there's something wrong with this, but I, I'm <laughs> not quite sure what I'm hearing. Uh, but but I, I get that reaction quite a, quite a surprisingly uh, very often. So, and I've, I've never had a person get fired or lose a job because I put them on our system, but I've had people that go out and they'll send their resume blindly into a company and get fired because the owner of the company or the general manager knows the general manager of the other company and calls them and say, hey, how come your people are looking to, or trying to find a new job? Joe Blows uh, just sent me his resume. Well, then the next day, Joe Blow ain't there anymore. So, and that's not uncommon either. Isn't that actionable? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, of course. You called up it. Yeah, if you called up and cost somebody their job. Yeah, you you could try to sue them, but I don't know if you can. You know how it, it would not be an easy thing to do. Put it that way. No. But it kind of, in my mind, it's kind of unconscionable, but that's just me. I, I have my own set of rules. <laughs> I would never do it. In fact, if I, if somebody, uh, I, I use Career Builder, I use a lot of different uh, things to find people. Uh, it's just one of them. But if they send me their resume and it's, for the for the company they're already at, I will write back and tell them that and inform them that I will not be uh, submitting them or talking to their company about them. And I usually get back a, a nice little note saying thank you for you know <laughs> doing that, and, and they seem to appreciate it. But 
and that's always a risk when you do something. A lot of people, I, and I know why a lot of people send me their resume because it's like a next step up in the job market for them, and they're they're just trying to better themselves, so to speak. It's not something against the company; they're just trying to trying to better themselves. So I follow the rule of maintaining an update uh, updated resume and uh, at least LinkedIn, and uh, I've actually been contacted by headhunters. Four jobs at the company I currently worked at. Ah, that's interesting. Because they they noticed that my qualifications really matched the company (laughs) that I worked at. Offered (laughs) would I be interested in a contract? No, giving up that full time employment for a contract. That gives a that gives a whole new meaning to passive job seekers. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, yeah, I uh, you know I really hadn't noticed that one too much before. Now, I know, well, I use LinkedIn too. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't, but uh, I, I'm a little more a little more circumspect than that. I I've never done something like that, and nor can I nor can I really imagine doing it. But anyway. Uh, but I, but I, but I use it, and uh, you know, say here's a company. Do you have any? Would you have any interest in it? Usually, the answer is no. But it's it's worth a try. And you get, I might send out ten or twelve in mails and get one back, and that one can work out. It can be a good deal. But and there are getting to be other ways to do it besides in mails. There's, but anyway. Want to go into that? Advice for any young engineers out there: always take the phone call from the recruiter. I think that is good advice. Uh, definitely, and I know it, it might be seen as seen as self serving from you. I mean, because that's you know, what you do. But at the same time, I will tell you, you know, even if it's not something you're interested in, if you're if you're a jerk to the recruiters when they call back, when they call up, they're not going to call you back. That's and true. That includes that includes the time when you need a job. That's true, and it's even more so. Uh, the thing I've noticed, and engineers are not good at networking. Uh, oh, yeah. Just not. It's just not something that's in their fiber. But salespeople, they'll talk to me anytime. They'll. Out of the blue, you know, I'll talk to them about a job. And they'll say, I can't help you. But, you know, I know John or somebody, and here, I'll, I'll talk to them. And, and they get them to send me the resume. And they'll go out of their way to try to help you because they know someday they're probably going to need a job. And if they call me, I'm going to have very warm feelings about them and do my best to help them out. And, and uh, engineers should do more, a lot more of that. Uh, I, I remember even telling I had a guy that lost his job, and uh, he, he I told him that probably forty percent of jobs are uh, done through networking. And he said, "Well, how do you network?" I said, "Talk to everybody you know, and let them know you're out of work and you're looking for a job." And he he took that to heart and did it at church, and and a guy offered him a job right there on Sunday morning at church, <laughs> and he took it. Uh, and it was a great job for him, and everybody was happy. Uh, I had another guy that from Ford Motor Company that uh, had lost his job, and he sent me his resume and said, "Can you write my rewrite my resume? I've been out of work for six months." And I said, "Okay, but it's going to cost you five hundred dollars." 
I'm not cheap. Uh, but anyway, uh, he said, uh, we, we agreed, and I sat down, and all I did was sit down and ask him, don't tell me what you do. Tell me what you accomplished while you were there. And I rewrote his resume. In four weeks, he had three job offers, and he sent me another check for $500. <laughs> so... Uh, so there, there, there are a lot of things to uh, to think about. Obviously, when you're uh, not, but a lot of, but like you said, a lot of the, a lot of things should be done up front. You should, you should network and just continuously do. And that doesn't mean you know you're out there looking for a job necessarily, but but try to try to keep some people warm. Okay, that sounds like a political speech <laughs> or a recruiter speech. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm remembering that scene from uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with Alec Baldwin. Always be closing. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right. Always be closing. Yes, you're right. I've worked on I've worked on my elevator speech more than once. To tell you the truth. <laughs> Uh, so, so over the years, Jim, I know you've you've uh, not only relocated uh, a lot yourself, but uh, in your role as a recruiter, you've you've worked with candidates, employees who were relocating. And I guess the when things go right, everybody's happy and and life goes on and all is jolly. Uh, what kind of things can happen when things go wrong? Well, when things go wrong, uh, one of the funniest ones I think was. I think the individual was supposed to be starting work on Monday, and we thought we had everything worked out. Mm-hmm. And then he said, uh, you know, I, I've decided I can't handle the snake move myself. I've got to have help with my snakes. I went, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the guy had like 30 different snakes. Some of them were very dangerous. Right. Um, anacondas and other not so nice snakes. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was almost a deal breaker. We had to hurry up and work something out with the company, and it, it was not cheap to relocate his snakes. <laughs> now, snakes are a pain in the butt. Yeah, I you had to guy. get permits, cross state lines, and yada, yada, yada. And you had to get yeah. a special snake hauler. And, and, and so, uh, and another one was uh, individual had horses. We didn't find out they had horses till very, very few days ahead, and they had to have a horse somewhere to put their horses. Mm-hmm. Why they hadn't thought of that, uh, you know, we'd been dealing with the, you know, with the hiring for like two months. Uh, you'd think they would have thought of that type of thing, but. Uh, but evidently, uh, that slipped their mind, you know, <laughs> and and we had to hurry up and uh, close that one. So you know, need to individual needs to be up front as part of the moving process. Anything that might be considered unusual, they definitely need to bring that up with the company or the recruiter. Uh, I think some people do it intentionally; they don't talk about it because they are afraid that uh, the company's going to say, oh, hell no, you know. Yeah. But, but a lot of people think, you know, if they wait to the last minute, it doesn't leave anybody any, uh, they have to say yes. Right. And, and uh, there's no wiggle room for them, so therefore they'll take it right up to the last minute and say, but, but I need this or I need that. Yeah. So that was, and to be honest, I've, I've had several people never make it to the job interview because they died 
on the way to the job interview or died that weekend from a heart attack or one guy was pointing his chimney and fell off the ladder. Oh uh, one guy one guy was driving from California to Las Vegas and hit another car head on. Uh, and these things, and I called one, one individual, uh, the night of the first day he was supposed to be at work and got his wife and asked for him. And, and she said, he's not here. And I said, oh, I was just calling to find out how the job went. And she said, oh, well, he took, we took vacation last week after he got the job offer and took the job and, and he died of a heart attack on vacation. Mm-hmm. And she's very nonchalant about it or. I'm sure. I'm sure she didn't feel that way, right. but uh, but but she seemed to be taking well. So, those are some of the things we we run into as recruiters too, as part of the relocation process. So, right. uh, we we usually uh, don't. I, I I never send out a uh, a bill anymore and an invoice until the I make sure the person's working. Like, like <laughs> right. very bad luck. Very bad luck. But anyway. Right. Well, I, I, I trust that's a fairly rare occurrence. Fairly rare. Yeah. Considering the, probably the thousands of people I've found jobs, that's a pretty small percentage. Right. But they stick with you. Right. Well, we should probably uh, wrap things up here and let you get on with your uh, your evening. Any uh, any final advice you want to give to engineers who might be thinking about relocating? No, just, uh, again, I, I can't overemphasize talking to your spouse. The sooner the better, and paying some very close attention to the family. Mm-hmm. You just got to pay attention to your significant other. Right. So, Jim, if, if people uh, perhaps are looking for a job in the plastics industry or they have uh, questions that they want to uh, send your direction, how, how should we tell them to get a hold of you? Well, probably the easiest thing to look at our website at www.discoverypersonnel.com, where I have most of the jobs listed mm-hmm. that we have available. Some of them may look kind of old, and they are only because companies tell us we're always looking for people like this, so I just leave it on there. Mm-hmm. I should up, should go ahead and update the dates more than I do. Sure. But those those jobs are available. There's also a lot of advice uh, as far as looking for a job, what you ought to do. Not some of it not written by me, but other recruiting recruiting professionals that are very good in the field and well known mm-hmm. uh, on that website also. So that that's a good that's a good place to start. Okay. Well we will put that information in our show notes so anybody looking for you can uh, get to your website and, and get in contact with you. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Well thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode. You're welcome. Thank you very much. See you later. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye, Jim. The Engineering Commons is produced in affiliation with Big Beacon, a social movement for transforming engineering education, located on the web at bigbeacon.org. For more information about the podcast you've just heard, please visit theengineeringcommons.com. Our theme music is by Paul Stevenson.